if tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning you could go up Castle Hill, the top of Castle Hill, and right there in the car park you could see God. God was going to be there. And all you've got to do is show up. And he's coming. He's going to, you'll get to see him. And you'll get to know what he's really like. And imagine if you go up there, God's there, and God has a whole bunch of official adoption certificates and he's giving them out for free to anybody. To anybody who wants to become his child and have him as their father, he'll make a covenant with them, they'll become his children, his official children, they'll have the rights of children, they'll inherit all that belongs to him, and he will just freely give this to them. He will love them as children for the rest of their days. He'll walk with them and help them. And anybody can come up to Castle Hill and receive this gift and see his glory. Where would you be tomorrow at 10 o'clock? You'd be there, right? You'd be there straight away. You'd think, wow. That's going to happen? Is that really going to happen? The stunning truth that we have in front of us in the Gospel of John, what we've just read, and what has truly happened in the world, is no less amazing than what I've just described. In fact, it's far more amazing. You can become a child of God tonight, if you're not already. And you can see what God is really like by seeing Jesus with the eyes of faith. And one day you'll stand and you'll see him with the eyes of flesh. You'll see him as he really is. You'll see God. That's incredible. I'm going to read these verses from Exodus. It's a fairly large portion, so just listen along. You'll see a whole bunch of themes will appear in these verses. And they'll reappear in John. Okay, here it is. This is Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What's happening is the Israelites are in the desert, they're in the wilderness, they've come out of Egypt. The Lord Moses is, is up the mountain, he's talking with the Lord, and he's saying to the Lord, we need you to go with us and we need your presence here among us. The tabernacle has not yet been built, and Moses is saying, we need you to be with us as we journey from here and go into this land that you've promised to give to this group of people. And he's saying, so that's what the discussion is, is happening there. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. That's a very bold thing for Moses to say, but he says that to the Lord. Hold on to that. Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. That's the Lord. He's going to, I'm going to reveal what I'm like to you and I will show you my glory. He's saying, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So you see what's happening? Moses says, show me your glory. The Lord says, I'm going to do that. But you can't see me and live, but I'm going to show you the back side of me, as it were. I'll give you a glimpse. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come up with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones, and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning, as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. That's the background to our text in John. You see Moses is asked to see the glory of the Lord. He's not fully seen the glory of the Lord, but the Lord has revealed to him he's a God gracious and just. Or a God full of grace and full of truth. He's, and it's attention. 
There is a tension there. How does he forgive the rebellious, as we read in Exodus, and not leave the guilty unpunished? How can he be a God full of grace and truth? How can he hold people accountable for their sins and yet forgive sins? And that is the beauty of what he has done for us in Jesus, his son. So here's what I want us to come away with today, tonight. We, there, there, is, there is something going on and has happened in the world, completely apart from us, that we can enter into. The wonder of the world is that the one true God who made all things as we've read about in previous week, this God has entered into the world, taken on flesh, and he's revealed God to us. The mystery of who God is, is in one sense finished. Look what he says in verse 14. This is about the revelation of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then look what he says in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. We've got an experience in knowing God better than Moses. Moses could have only dreamt of what happened at the coming of the Son of God. To have been able to see the Son of God in the flesh and to have seen him full of grace and full of truth. And that's a great blessing that we've received and something that has happened outside of us. Look at who's revealed. It says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The son of God described as the word. He's the father's message to us. He's the one and only who came from the Father, or the Son who came from the Father, in verse 14. So as Christians, we know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here, it's because we've seen he's the Word who was in the beginning and was God, who was with God and was God, and now he's the son from the father. And then in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. That would be Moses' experience. But God, the one and only, who was at the father's side, 
There is a, there is a God who is at the side of God, the Father. He has made God known to us. This is the glory of the incarnation, that we don't just know a man, but we know the divine son. And what does he say to everybody who receives him? Well, in verse 10 and 11, we have a bit of a surprise. Because in verse 10 and 11, although he's been made known, somehow the world didn't recognize him, in verse 10, neither did his own people, the Jewish people, recognize him, in verse 11. In Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. This is a strange irony and a strange thing that God could come into the world and make himself known. He's become visible, but that the very world that he made wouldn't recognize him as the son of God that he is. Not only would the world, that is all the people who are not Jews, but also the Jewish people, he came to that which was his own, or to his own. I think own people is probably what's been described, but his own did not receive him. We might, it, it is a, it's a puzzle, isn't it, that if God should come among us, would we recognize him? Uh, the son some people would say, you know, if only God could come and appear, then I would truly believe. But to truly recognize who Jesus is, is more than just seeing, you need more than just being able to see that he was physically there as a man in our midst. You had to see something else. You had to see something of the glory of God in him to recognize who he truly was. And the Gospel of John will begin to unfold that and show the glory of Jesus to us. But what does it say to those who did receive him, who believed in his name? So we have here the idea of receiving and believing, which helps us to understand what believing is. Believing is trusting, but believing is also receiving him as, as he is, as a gift to us. And to all who did that, and that's the same word for us today, whoever does that, he gives the right to become children of God. And he continues to do so today. You can become a son in the son by joining yourself to the Son of God, you can also become children of God. And what does he say there in verse 13? Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And what's happening there is John's saying that just as we're born into Adam, 
We need to be reborn into Christ. We need a, a new birth, a work of God in our lives that comes from God. This transition of becoming a child of God is not something that we can achieve on our own. It's something that God does. We can't decide to do it and then make it happen. It doesn't happen by physical, biological descent. It can't happen by human effort. It can only happen by God. And that's what John will talk about in chapter 3, about the need to be born again. So there's an offer here to be born again as a child of God. God the Son, who is full of grace and truth, has come and revealed who God is. He's made God known. He is himself God. And he offers to everybody the right to become children of God. It says, finally, that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given as a word that condemns. It's a word that speaks to us about what we ought to be, but aren't and haven't lived up to be. It tells us the way we should live, not the way we do live. And so as we've been learning in the mornings, this law can't give us life because of the fault that lies in us. But God has come to us through Jesus full of grace and truth. Jesus has kept the law and he's been punished in the place of sinners. God's truth is upheld and grace is offered to us. So it's a gift that's undeserving, but it's a gift that is right. It's a gift, it's grace, because it's, it's not something that we deserve. It's a pure gift. But it's done in line with the truth of God's justice. This is the world we live in. We don't need to go to Castle Hill. We can receive Jesus by faith and grow in our knowledge of him each day for free. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've come among us, that you've shown us the glory of God. Please help us as we explore the Gospel of John by showing us more of your glory every day. Amen.